Welcome to Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. And I'm Lucy Cecil. Olivia, can you believe that this episode is going to come out um, on a Wednesday, which is the last Wednesday of February in 2021? How quick has that gone? Well, I have to say, I mean, we have nothing else to talk about other than the weather and various Zoom meetings, but I did go out for my lunchtime constitutional today and it was much, much, much warmer. I felt for the first time the sun beating down onto my skin. I mean, I won't say beating, but I felt its presence. I felt a whisper of sun. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my um, favorite moments of each year in this country is when you first feel the sun's warmth on your skin. I did not get to go out today, which is sad, but um, I did see that it was very, looked very nice and it has been a lot milder, which is lovely. Yeah. I I went to the um, local park um, near my flat and I basically go there every day and just walk around the big circle for 86 times and then come back. And um, today I went a little bit later and uh, <laughs> there were these there were these two like girls doing tiktok dances and they were like dressed in like crop tops and looked like they were like trying to do like a music video sort of tiktok dance and they were like 14 or something and they had their they were on the path and they had their phone like propped up on like their like puffer jackets um on the bench and they were just doing like all of these videos and then there was like nowhere for me to walk because they were like right in the middle of the path and like it goes around in a circle so you don't really have any other choice but to sort of like walk around them a bit and then probably every like eight minutes or so whenever I like came back around there was just this like 31 year old woman in an anorak in the background of their like cool TikTok videos (laughs) and every time we just oh look at each other and sort of like laugh a bit (laughs) but that is surely um a dream come true for you finally you're becoming a tiktok star (laughs) well yes unwittingly but um i wish i had a bit more of like a look rather than my waterproof jacket and my hair shoved up in a bun for my lunchtime walk so maybe maybe tomorrow i'll go out in something a bit more like gen z Oh yeah, absolutely. Get on like the widest trousers you have and the smallest top you have. <laughs> yeah, so I need to find some like baby tees and um I've got like I've got quite a few pairs of culottes. So do they count? Does a Perfect. Count? Yes. Okay, great. Um yeah, cuz I've recently learned um this week along with I think the rest of the millennial demographic that um you can't wear skinny jeans anymore if you want to be like relevant to the culture. So I've been on a bit of a hunt trying to find another pair of jeans online. I mean, where do you suggest? Where does one get a good pair of jeans that are not skinny? Because you've got some non-skinny. Well, I'm, I do. I'm actually bad at jeans. I'm good at other trousers, but uh, jeans actually was something I was going to ask one of our groups about. Where do you get good jeans from these de- jeans from these days? Because um, I-, I struggle with jeans personally, but I'm sure there's many places. And I think I think we have a good group of friends who we can ask for this uh, for this jeans. Uh, inspiration because they all have nice not so skinny jeans but actually uh, that reminds me that um, my little sister once said to me at some point last year she was like turns out there are there are two types of uh, two types of person you either wear um, you're either big trousers small top or small trousers big top yeah. <laughs> so as long as as long as you're wearing like you can wear skinny jeans but you've got to wear like a fucking massive like hoodie or tee to make to make up for it basically that, that those are the rules apparently I think I am definitely the latter definitely the latter I'm definitely the former I'm definitely big big trousers like cropped up yeah <laughs> I want I, I want to be that one but I'm just not so I'm <laughs> I need to just be real about my lot in life but I'm sure I can dig something out tomorrow to um impress my TikTok friends at the park so oh, we'll yes. see. so nice <laughs> <laughs> so apart from um longing to be in the more backgrounds of uh, some teens TikToks. What else are you living and longing for? Well, this week, Lucy, I am living for more news on Trixie Mattel's new gay bar acquisition. So as we all know, Trixie Mattel is um, a shareholder. Well, is she a shareholder? I think she's, um, she's, she's a co-owner 
of a gay club in Milwaukee called This Is It, known to locals as Tits, which I thought you would enjoy to know. And she has said that she is on a mission to make it a national landmark. And it's really interesting because she she puts out new videos every week on Mondays on YouTube. And she did one this week with Brittany Broski, you know, kombucha girl, because they're like friends. And it must have been filmed a couple of months ago. And um, you, what you can't see is that Lucy's doing the kombucha girl impression. You have to subscribe to our Patreon if you want to see that. Um, we don't have yes, that, please subscribe just that. send us a message in 50 pounds and you'll, you'll get it. Anyway, yeah, on that video, she was talking about gay bars and clubs and, you know, the sort of danger of closure and that sort of erasure of that culture with the pandemic. And she was saying, you know, it's going to take people like us who care about the community and actually have some money to like re-inject some capital back. Like we're all just going to have to like buy a gay club. And this must have been filmed a while ago because she said it and she's all gone and done it. And I just think... She's really put her money where her mouth is there. And I just really admire that. And I can't wait for it to become um, a national landmark. And I can't wait for Brittany Broski to open up hers because that would just be amazing. Oh my God, serving just cocktails made of kombucha. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that is what I am living for. And what I'm longing for, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this, but I actually do think that I am longing for the new Cruella movie from Disney. So um, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this, but I saw the trailer for the new Cruella movie and I was thinking like okay you know we can all we can all hate things and that's fine and maybe this will be awful but I was kind of thinking that maybe maybe it's a sign of how far we've come as a culture that actually the stories of women in Disney films and sort of women characters um, who might have been previously considered to be evil or wrong or sort of shunned like like Maleficent like Cruella are having their own platform for their own backstory so whatever you might think of Emma Stone playing her I mean you know obviously Glenn Close is an absolute icon and you cannot compare the the two I'm sure but I just really appreciate that that is an area that we are exploring and I quite enjoy the format of like movies that go into the backstories of like side characters and I know that that's kind of like mining a bit but I don't care like I quite like that so I'm looking forward to it why not that's um very interesting because um it isn't my I don't agree with it but my I don't agree with it was going to be because I I know I think I've already mentioned this in the podcast that I actually I really (laughs) despise the the what if this person's backstory uh trend because i think it's like okay your your point about oh let's look at the female characters that maybe were sort of like seen as villains and stuff is i i i actually stand with that yeah that's pretty cool um i I do like that um but i just think the like what if um what if this but from this person's point perspective is like kind of lazy um but like I, I, it doesn't mean you can't get good stuff out of it it just it just seems to be like all right we need to churn something out right okay let's make let's make this let's make that and it's always it's always just like yeah what if this but that and I just think that's pretty like lazy storytelling but um uh it doesn't mean that then they won't be good or they're not worth watching but it's just just how I feel about them yeah I think <laughs> that's really I, funny that you had that I think I think it probably I think it probably is lazy but I also think that if you are somebody who is like interested in those stories or maybe like enjoyed those stories as a kid or you're a bit of like a stan of a particular like Disney movie, but you know how I feel about people who are obsessed with Disney. It's not okay. Just like stop it. It's too many things. But it's kind of interesting to think about. And, you know, sometimes a spin off can just be a bit of fun. You know what I'm saying? And we yeah, all need more fun think- in our lives. I think that mainly it's the fact that like uh, it's usually they're usually not very good because they're usually just like what can we pump money how can we get money out of people oh people like this thing let's make something that's sort of about that thing. Well, J- Joker's, <laughs> so, Joker's good and that's a spin-off of Batman. I didn't did not like Joker. <laughs> so. I, I haven't I haven't actually seen Joker so I don't know I've just heard it. <laughs> but but universally yes people do like that film you are you are right uh, but uh I, I personally didn't like it why, why didn't why didn't you like it 
Oh, because it was just so predictable and so like, oh, I'm a, oh, society. Oh, it was just too like, it's hard to get into. <laughs> I don't really want to get into it, but um, there's a few reasons. I don't think it's terrible, but um, I, it, I think it was just a bit like hyped in a way that, you know, people like watch it and they're like, oh my God, most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, but it's like, is it really though? I, I'm not sure it is. So that's just me. Okay, but I, I'm I'm happy for you know. I hopefully that Corella film is very good. If it's very good, then fine. But often I think that's not the case. Well, we'll have to see. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether they're planning to release it in the cinema or just on Disney Plus on that like premium thing that they have for Mulan and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about? like live action interpretations because there's been loads of those recently and I guess you could apply the same argument. Yeah, I think often like some of them can be really good and I get why I get a bit more why you would do that, like why you would take an animation and make it uh live action. But also again, I do tend to think if something's good like and has a good origin version, why try and make another one in some ways although there are some things that have done that which I suppose are like my probably versions of the things I like do you know what I mean like because the really old versions I don't really know but I don't know I don't know I'm just being really cynical and uh now I feel really negative (laughs) if you had to watch one film for 24 hours straight without stopping which one would you choose Cruella or my grandma is a lesbian I haven't seen Cruella, obviously. I never want to see So My Grandma's a Lesbian again. Um, and I think it it's too much of a traumatic viewing experience. So I think I'd have to go for this Cruella. I'm sure it has probably some more like, it's probably a bit more entertaining um, in some ways. Uh, I found So My Grandma's a Lesbian very difficult to watch in places. So yeah, we'll go for Cruella. 24 hours, put it on. <laughs> So other than longing for all spin-offs to cease to exist, what else are you living and longing for this week, Lucy? I would just like to apologise to anyone who is offended by my opinions of the past five minutes. Um, and I feel like it's odd because we very, very rarely, if ever, disagree on something. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, honestly, it's really not a hill I'm about to die on. And I could watch it and it could be rubbish, but it's just, you know... It's not really much going on, so... Well, no, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely fine. And yes, I don't want to be, whatever they say, negative Nancy or whatever. That's just an opinion that I have about these things. Yeah, and I think think as well, and, you know, you could be proven completely right. There's certainly a lot of examples that would back up that theory. I just think that, like, sometimes it's a bit of a shame that for stuff like this people are quite quick to neg it, like quite quick to say, oh, well, it can't possibly be, you know, like the previous or it can't possibly hold up to this, that and the other before they've even like given it a bit of a chance. So let's let's watch Cruella when it comes out and I will, you know, I'll be happy. We're going to have to now. We're going to have to, but I'll be happy to obviously, you know, go down whatever, um, I think... What I think is that we'll probably end up having the same opinion on Cruella, but it'll be interesting to see what that opinion is. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. Because I think that, you know, ultimately our tastes are aligned. This is more of a a question of form. (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) We thought we'd have nothing to talk about. Jeez. Um, Right, so now that that is uh, sort of out of the way until we view Cruella and we have to uh, have another conversation about it. So I'm living for the fact that um, I have seen um, all over Twitter and stuff, um, and this is something that I feel like maybe I don't really have sort of ownership of or as much uh, of a connection to, so I feel like maybe you have a bit more of, and I will ask you some questions. But um, I saw all over Twitter that um, fans and uh, people who sort of grew up with Tracy Beaker are absolutely loving the fact that uh, Cam in Tracy Beaker finally got to have her happy ending and marry um, a woman. Um, so she got to come out as the char- as a character, as a queer character. Whereas previously, when Tracy Beaker was first aired, um, Cam was, well, they, she ended up marrying a man. Um, and 
Uh, and also uh, people were saying that it's like such a sort of monumentous thing to happen because like when Tracy Beaker first came out, um, Section 28 was in place. So, uh, you know, you weren't allowed to promote any sort of um, uh, queer relationships in any way. So it's like a really nice turnaround, great moment that um, finally, uh, I think, where was it? Um, what's her name? Danny Harmer tweeted at last cam finally got her happy ending we were fuming when she got married off to a man in the original series it was ridiculous but so glad cam got what she deserved she is a queen and deserved a queen in return so we love to see that and absolutely living for it the only thing is personally I, i've never seen tracy beaker i've always known of it but i didn't grow up in the uk so i missed it as like a thing to properly watch um but uh absolutely living for it i think that's great really nice turnaround well done tracy beaker <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I did watch Tracy Beaker. Um, my stepsister is absolutely living and longing for this um, limited series on iPlayer. And actually, um, this new series is the, in terms of ratings, done the very best um, as a CBBC show on iPlayer ever in terms of numbers. Wow. So it's all of the like 30 year olds coming back to watch it, basically, I'm sure. And also um, their kids, probably. Yeah. <laughs> So um, yeah, no, I think I think that is such a great living for. And um, Cam, I'm so happy that you finally got what you deserved in the end. Absolutely, yeah. So um, that is what I'm living for, and I am longing for. My sister very kindly sent me a book in the post today to celebrate my first day of my new job. Um, and basically, she saw this book and thought Lucy will love this book, so she sent it, it to me and was like, "Zoom for dummies." Microsoft Teams for idiots. No, it's, <laughs> um, no, it is a book. Uh, it's a novel called Outlawed by Anna North, um, and it is uh, to give it. A, I'll just read this little uh, blurb about it, which describes it perfectly. Well, I mean, I haven't read it, but I, I assume it does. Um, so it's the Crucible meets True Grit in this riveting adventure story of a fugitive girl, a mysterious gang of robbers, and their dangerous mission to transform the Wild West. So it's basically supposed to be like a sort of feminist feminist take retelling of like a Wild West story. Um, and as anyone knows, if they've listened to this at all, or and as you definitely know, I I uh, wish to be a, a cowgirl. So <laughs> um, uh, I love anything Western um, and anything about the the American West specifically. So I'm really, really longing to read that because uh, I haven't had like a new book for a while and it's really exciting to get something new and be excited to read. So that is what I'm longing for. That sounds great. Did you um, did you study the American West for your GCSEs? No, God, I wish I had. Yeah, we did. And it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Oh, GCSEs. Oh, I'm yeah. so jealous. I did, I did a lot of American West learning in my American school that I went to so I guess I got some there but I never did it in England that's so upsetting to yeah, me I, think, I, would I, think have loved that. Like, I think it's like quite a rare one to pick you know and like the teachers can like pick a random one that like none of the other teachers pick or something so I think yeah so we, did, we did that and we did history of medicine and it was just like the best time ever oh such a good my little there. sister my little sister did those two I think she definitely did the history of medicine which I didn't do either so we must have done we must have been doing different exam boards I assume in, in, yeah. that, in that term um, yeah I can't amazing. remember what we did oh yeah so good obsessed just obsessed what did you do <laughs> oh God, GCSE history. Uh, I can't really say for certain because that was a very, very um, bad time of my life because <laughs> I just moved back to England and I don't remember a lot of it. So it was uh, not the nicest time. I probably, I, I remember doing some, you know, war shit and some other stuff. I don't remember it being particularly interesting history. I remember it being sort of like same old. And I remember doing similar stuff at A-level and being like, oh God, my. I've already done this. You know yeah, a I mean? level. So, a level was worse because it was British government. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bonal or Cam Campbell Bannerman, etc. The Balfour's poodle. Never forget. But yes, no. I'm jealous of your learning the Wild West at GCSE. Um, I always try to. If ever I am feeling sort of, it's really odd. If I'm feeling like hungover or specifically delicate in that similar way, I always want to like watch something that is, um, either like Wild West themed or like set during a world war or in space i think because that is very much like channel four on a sunday in your late teens <laughs> early 20s so that's kind of the vibe like after um 
after T4's finished, you might get you might get a Western, you might get the darts. You just don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. We were actually talking about it the other day because I was saying about how I always love to see anything that's set in any of those uh, three categories. And um, my housemate, friend and sister's boyfriend, Adam, uh, quite rightly pointed out that it, I think that what it is, is that those stories that take place in place in like, such specific set of circumstances you already like know the sort of world you know like what sort of is at stake that you can just tell like really good like human stories so you know if something's set in world war ii and you it starts it's like like 1917 everyone's in the trenches they've they've all laying on and therefore you can get straight to the story and i think that that really appeals to me in especially when i'm feeling sensitive (laughs) i think that um one of your one of your goals post lockdown and COVID should be to cosplay as a cowgirl. I think that that would be very you. Thank you so much. That is one of my many hopes and dreams. I'm thinking that we could like take some inspiration because you kind of got the like auburn red hair thing going on. We could do a little bit of like a don't tell me Madonna vibe. Oh my God. What do you okay. Think? What do you I think? think? I think sign me up. Yeehaw. And like Madonna says, music makes the people come together. Yeah. And in what better way could we all be coming together this week than with our track of the week? It's time for yours this week, Lucy. What have you been enjoying listening to this week? Right. Well, I know that this will be coming out a couple weeks after the incident occurred but I think if you know the song and you know what happened then you are well aware and I'm fairly sure it will still be in your head by the time you listen to this Um, and it would be a massive disservice to not have it as a track of the week for queer longing I think and to not discuss it so my track of the week is obviously UK Hun by the United King Dolls from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Oh my God. Bing bang bong, sing sang song, ding dang dong, UK hon. <laughs> I cannot believe uh, this track and how good it is. I personally had not, I didn't watch this episode um, as sort of quickly as I normally do. They come out on a Thursday. I didn't watch it until Monday night. Um, yeah, and it was gone. driving me crazy because I wanted I to know. all of the all of the like memes and TikToks on our group with our other friend and we could not because you had not been exposed yet yeah well I hadn't been exposed but I am on Twitter I am online um and therefore it was everywhere (laughs) uh and like I just kept seeing this thing and I was like oh that's gonna be I know what that's gonna be so I sort of was like really really like anticipating and it was actually really it was an an amazing experience for me because when it got to the episode then it got to the point where they first performed the song I was so excited because I knew it was this amazing like big thing so I was like (laughs) absolutely buzzing which I haven't felt for so long like watching telly it was amazing (laughs) and then it like started I was just like yes and obviously like I just loved I loved how much the whole like um judging panel was absolutely popping off to it they were all obviously loving it as well it's just such a like whoever wrote the the core song like such a good job of like recreating what could be like a eurovision song so obviously it was for Eurovision. um and yeah just an absolutely stunning track and obviously um top hun of my uh this season Bimini Bombu Lash just having the most sensational look uh lyrics and uh legs to yes, do what, and do what they also did. incidentally cowgirl inspired so well yes exactly are, are we surprised <laughs> yeah I mean uh, I think it has to be my track of the week as well this week I completely agree there has been nothing else in my head oh god so there's been like so many so many like memes and tiktoks and then my <laughs> my girlfriend's sister did an instagram story where she was out at the park because that's like the only thing we can do these days obviously and there were these like geese and it's just her filming the geese going ding dang dong sing sang song bing bang bang uk hun and it shouldn't <laughs> be the funniest thing in the world and yet it is yet it, it is it is it so, just is. There's, yeah, it's. I um, if I'm feeling since watching it from just having a bit of like a moment, like oh, I just need cheering up. I just know forever now what I can do. You know what you cheer can do. up. Yeah, and I think I think it really is testament to RuPaul's Drag Race UK that 
twice in a row, two for two, two for Tuesday, we've had the United King Dolls and the Frock Destroyers from series one doing their song. And they've both made it onto our tracks of the week. And they've both been UK number ones each year. And I just think for a new show to be doing that concurrently is amazing. So big props to whoever is um, doing the songwriting for RuPaul's Drag Race UK because god that episode was rich yeah it really was um and like obviously there's like such oh god it's just it's so it's so great that yeah it's like getting such massive like being number one is like a big deal you know and getting played on like mainstream radio and stuff like that is really cool especially like when you've got like Bimini doing great lyrics about like being like uh, non-binary um, and talking about that on on like in in the big mainstream way is great and then obviously I mean we haven't talked about it but shout out to when Bimini and Ginny had a great conversation a few episodes ago about being non-binary and um mm. in a really like eloquent and heartfelt and important way and having that conversation on you know I mean I know it's um uh demand telly but like it's still mainstream channel like it's so good to have that and it's just really great representation and just so stunning and I just absolutely obsessed with it um and really obsessed with this series really 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 enjoying it from UK Huns to the UK News Desk. I'm actually handing over the News Desk reins um, to Lucy this week. So Lucy, over to you in the studio. Thanks, Olivia. So this is a bit of uh, sort of disappointing news um, from our government here in the UK. Um, the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has uh, announced that he wants, he plans to um, appoint a new uh, sort of post within the education sector known as the free speech champion um, which is supposed to be an individual who strengthens free speech and academic freedom within universities um, and whilst obviously free speech very important um, I think that there's been a lot of talk around this there's a concern that in doing this that a sort of unnecessary culture war is being made up which uh, as we as we know um, our government loves to sort of do when you know we've talked about all the toilet reforms the gender recognition act etc like it's 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 a lot of stirring up stuff that isn't actually really a problem so the bodies of like the national university of students and like the russell group etc have responded to this saying um that they uh, don't believe that there is any evidence of a freedom of expression crisis within universities um and this this sort of stirred up um uh issue sort of comes from the fact that there are some people who say that like there's a problem with free speech because of like no platforming which obviously there has been some no platforming over the in the past few years within universities with people who don't want to platform uh people who essentially are going to bring hate speech onto campuses um and there i think what has to be discussed and and decided is that there is a difference between free speech and freedom from the reactions of your speech from the from what happens when you speak so i mean i personally don't think that no platforming somebody is silencing them i think that it is saying you don't we don't agree with this view it doesn't mean you can't have that view it just means we don't agree with it as an institution which i think is fine when it comes to hate speech uh obviously there have been people who have been no platformed for uh having sort of turf uh idealisms for having homophobic idealisms in terms of you know the queer community um this kind of move to to say that that there's a problem and that people being silenced is uh, just a bit sort of unnerving um, and is something I think that needs to be watched. Uh, and um, yeah, because there's a difference between free speech and speech that is said freely that can cause harm. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly, I think that you know your right to free speech is a thing, but if you're going to be hateful or spread hate and spread hate speech, then that's another thing. And they, and they are, and they are sort of separate, but also combined. And therefore like, oh, I just, I just think it's a dangerous road to be going down to sort of, there's this sort of idea that if, 
uh, they're going to they're going to they're going to institute this person and say that uh, also that universities can be like fined for not allowing um, free speech to sort of take place. Uh, so in certain circumstances, that, that would mean having to platform people that maybe don't agree with the university's ideals, etc. And, you know, institutions have values and belief systems and uh, ideals and therefore like you should be able to like run by them like um, and not have to uh, platform people that don't uh align with your values so um yeah it's a strange one it's it's obviously there's many uh many it's a many many pronged thing and there's lots to sort of discuss with it but i uh, do think that it's quite concerning for marginalized communities um and uh very eloquently um uh, the vice president for the for higher education at the National University of Students has said the following, which I think puts really perfectly uh, that this more than ever at the moment is not something to be focusing on in terms of like what's going on with universities. So at a time when students are facing untold hardship, the government would be much better advised to focus on providing the practical support that students desperately need through maintenance grants, no detriment policies and funding to eradicate digital poverty, rather than attacking the various institutions that have stepped up to fill the gaps in support being offered. We recognise this announcement as an opportunity for us to prove once and for all that there is not an extensive problem with freedom of expression across higher education. NUS looks forward to working with the new free speech champion to support students unions to continue to promote freedom of expression so yeah i think that's really well put and it's just something to keep an eye on and now back to you in the studio olivia what uh is going on in the weather no i'm only joking what <laughs> do you have any podcast recs this week uh what have you been listening to to try and get bing bang bong sing sang song ding dang dong out of your head well, I don't think anything is going to do that job. But what I have been doing is I've been listening to quite a few new podcasts. So I would like to recommend, first of all, Don't Ask Tig. I don't know if you've ever um, listened to that. So it's an advice podcast um, from comedian Tig Notaro. And it's kind of like an interview format where she interviews another um, celebrity or kind of cultural figure. And they... Um, get questions or scenarios from um, listeners and they try and give their advice and she has um, some really great guests um, a lot of them are queer um, most notably um, Sarah Paulson, um, Roxanne Gay, uh, My Fantasy Dad, Stephen Colbert, um, David Sedaris and just a lot of um, a lot of really good interesting people and like I say quite a lot of um, queer people as well and I think if you're looking for quite an easy listening uh, lols podcast, I would definitely recommend that one. I've also been listening to Unlocking Us, which is, um, I think all of the episodes are up on Spotify and a few of them are up on Apple Podcasts, which is a Brené Brown um, podcast. So um, Brené Brown is like a, like a researcher and academic and um, she has a Netflix special, which I believe is called The Power of Vulnerability. And um, she yeah talks about kind of like emotions and psychology around emotions and things like that. And so she is a really good interviewer sort of for that reason. And she has a lot of really good guests. And I will listen to anything with Roxane Gay and I absolutely love Roxane Gay. And she has Roxane Gay and um, her wife, Debbie Millman on the podcast. And they talk about their um their love story basically which is just so nice to listen to and you know like when you can just tell like two people are super in love and they like really enjoy telling the story of how they got together and like oh and then this nearly didn't happen but then this happened and then this happened and I don't know I just think it's really sweet so um I've really enjoyed listening to that. So I definitely recommend going to listen to that. Um, Laverne Cox has also launched a podcast in the last couple of weeks um, called Unsurprisingly, The Laverne Cox Show. So you can catch a couple of episodes of that anywhere you get your podcasts. And um, the last one I wanted to mention this week, which is a new um, series from Crystal, who, if you remember, was a contestant on the first series of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And it's called The Things That Make Me Queer. So um, Crystal has um, guests on who identify as queer or along the queer spectrum. And they talk about music or bring along an object or talk about a moment that for them in some way defined or kind of um, 
brought out their their queerness in in some way and I think it's a really interesting um framework for a podcast and get some really good conversations going um they've had some really good guests um JD Sampson Emily Kay Juno Dawson and Detox are um the first few that they've had on in the last couple of weeks so I would definitely go and check that out and um I was listening to the JD Sampson one today and she was talking about how um I think we can probably all relate to as we were growing up hearing kind of dialogue and sort of rhetoric around gayness and and queerness which kind of helped to inform our early understanding of, of what that was before we knew what that what that was and she was talking about this moment where they saw someone who um was was gay or they the family perceived to be gay and they were talking about that person being limp-wristed and that JD Sampson thought that being gay meant that you had a like like a problem with your wrist that like it literally just like was was limp um and there was like a physical issue and it's just so interesting because I think that to a lesser or greater degree we've all had kind of light bulb moments or moments that we look back on where you know, we've misunderstood something because I think especially from our generation and older, there were all these kind of euphemisms or kind of coded language for queerness that we didn't understand fully at that age and kind of had to grow up and um, do a lot of our own research because there was just not really anything readily available for us. And that kind of like confusion and misinformation um was very much like the context of our childhood um early teen life and so on until we get to where we are now where there's like so many more resources but I think it's just interesting to look back and think back to that time for all of us because I think we can all relate to that in in some kind of way definitely yeah that sounds like a really interesting um like you say, premise for a podcast, and I definitely will be listening. I do love to hear those kind of stories. They are very um, intriguing. And how about you? Anything of note in the podcast world this week? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I have started listening to a couple episodes of a new podcast, um, which actually was spurred on by the fact that I watched um, I watched Apocalypse Now a lot, <laughs> which I'd never seen, um, and uh, uh, which was a great film um and I was very interested in it because obviously it's about the Vietnam War um and uh I have always wanted to know a lot more about the Vietnam War than I do um because I think it's a fascinating time period and also as a child I lived in Vietnam and I feel like I really did not learn enough about it and I want to be more educated on it um so I uh was looking for podcasts um that might um give me some interesting history to around the Vietnam War. So I've been listening to the Working Class History podcast, which um, is a podcast which aims to tell like history from the context of marginalized people and from the working, the view of the working class. And they have a really good set of um, different episodes about the Vietnam War, um, as well as sets of episodes about loads of really interesting instances in history that have specifically been to do with the working class which is all history so um, the best thing about it is that they always try to bring into the podcast like the queer history the history for women the the history for people of color within the, the this instance in time um and it's really great to listen to something that really does the work um and you know really really covers all bases so i can really recommend um if you're interested in history from the eyes of you know, us from the eyes of people, you know, on the ground, as opposed to from the eyes of like kings and politicians. So um, it's, it's really great. And um, they have, they have episodes about lesbians and gay support and the Viners, Stonewall. And also there's a really great one, which I haven't listened to yet, which is about the Exotic Dancers Union, which is about the first women who unionized within a strip club, um, which is a really great story I've heard. So I'll be listening to that as well, but I can definitely recommend that. Uh, if you want like uh, a great queering of different times in history. That sounds amazing. It's one thing that I'm kind of jealous of. I think that if I did not have a day job, I would love us to do another podcast that was like 
a real research piece. I have such respect for those podcasts that really kind of go deep on different subjects and interview loads of different people and go through a lot of like archive material and things. I just think, I just think that that's amazing. And the fact that we can get all of this for free is just so cool. So I'll definitely be checking that out. So it's the time of the pod where we turn to the things that have been really getting our goat. Is that a phrase? Getting our, getting your goat, getting our goat? Yeah, getting getting your goat is a is a phrase. I should never try to do idioms to the Queen of idioms. Um, it it terrifies me every time I try to do it that I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> the Queen of idioms, the King of fruits. That's me. <laughs> well, like every week, Lucy. Yes, there is in fact something that I don't agree with. I don't agree with it, and it is a tricky one this week because whilst it um kind of gave us all something to talk about last week and um we've we've mentioned it um at the top of the podcast in a sense and what i don't agree with this week is rupaul shouting at the contestants in rupaul's drag race uk especially um to joe black so if you have watched the past episode, the one that we um, referred to from earlier on in the podcast, you'll know that as well as there being an absolute stellar performance of UK Hun, there was also an absolute smackdown on some of the queens that have not that had not scored the top spots that week. And it was all down to the fact that RuPaul did not appreciate a lot of their looks and thought that not enough effort had gone into um, some of the Queen's final looks for the runway. And um, one of these examples was from um, the other team, um, Banana Drama, um, from their performance of UK Hun. And Joe Black, um, a returning fan favourite for this week, who um, came back to the cohort after the seven months um, of the show's break, performed their version of UK Hun, and she did so in a pink kind of plissé sort of velory dress from H&M. And when RuPaul found out it was from H&M, she went absolutely mad and said she doesn't want anything from effing H&M on the runway. And yeah, it, it just, I was really shocked by it. And Joe Black's been really kind of gracious about it ever since. And um, H&M actually sent um, a cake to um, Joe Black. Um, and I believe that the dress in question has actually sold out at H&M. So probably a lot of other drag queens wanting to recreate this iconic moment um, for when we all come out of quarantine. I'm sure that that will happen. And I look forward to being there to witness it. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously we need to be seeing a lot of creativity and effort from the queens, but that outburst did leave quite a bad taste in my mouth. And I think especially because what follows is um, a documentary um, that's also on iPlayer about um, queens in lockdown. So it was like their own camera footage from inside their homes during quarantine so all the queens talking about how they were getting through it and what they're doing to prepare for the second leg of the competition and you know I think to denigrate somebody for wearing an H&M dress when a lot of these queens had been out of work for seven months claiming universal credit dealing with homelessness all of these things were discussed in the documentary I just thought it was in poor taste that's not to say that we don't want to see effort we don't want to see innovation like of course we want to see those things but there's something with it that within that context did not sit right with me especially when we saw the amazing effort that joe black put into her day at the seaside look i think it was just more to do with the fact that being a pop singer and a kind of that kind of drag queen didn't suit joe black's aesthetic but she gave it her all and tried her best and obviously it was not gonna work as well as some of the queens who were in UK King Dolls because how how could it that's just not her aesthetic that's not her way that she expresses herself creatively and I think that this can be a problem with drag race with some of the more established queens because it ends up being that you know if you have a unique sort of voice or point of view or um, area that you shine um, as a as a creator and as a performer if you're put into certain other situations you're never gonna be able to get out of that as, as easily so I suppose you do have to be a bit green you do have to kind of be 
able to be molded in in a certain way and I think that can have um, positives and negatives attached to it and I think that for Joe Black it was certainly um, symptomatic of the fact that they're sort of very well established in who they are and what their um, form of drag is and they're clearly really talented they clearly put a lot of effort into their um, work and into their artistry so I just didn't think it was 100% fair and I don't agree with it. Yeah, that's a very good one. I also don't agree with it. I, I thought like, yeah, I get it. It's, you know, supposed to like have innovative looks and blah, blah, blah. But it, I don't think it was necessary to go so hard on uh, on Joe Black about that um, being from H&M. Um, like, I think uh, like ultimately in that challenge, like the look was not the most important thing, really. Like it was a performance bit, yeah. right? So yeah, it, it wasn't really away. matter what they're wearing. Yeah, it sort of more matters that they sort of s- synchronize their look in a sense rather than like what they were actually wearing. Um, and yeah, her look for Day at the Seaside was like amazing. So yeah, um, yeah I think I think it was um, unfortunate and unfair and like just a bit too harsh from. Um, uh, Mamaru and yeah I, I I also was like oh god like a, yeah it sort of made me like oh no god, that's horrible to like see it's like come on we're all just like having a nice time and we finally like got back to doing things like let's all just have a nice time like don't need to be so so mean about H&M um, I did see that um, Cheryl Hull uh, tweeted who was a queen from last season something about like oh good thing Mamaru didn't know that half my half of my outfits were from H&M or something so which made me laugh um yeah uh so yeah no I agree I don't agree with that as well a bit too harsh there so from one famous diva to another she's had a dormant couple of weeks but yes she's back and she is back with news it is time for Celine Watch Another week, another Celine watch. And as we look forward to a world where there is no coronavirus, or at least not in the same way that we're experiencing it now, in a world where we can move freely again, where we can go out and enjoy gay culture. And what better way to enjoy gay culture than going to a Celine Dion concert? Yes, we are talking about the Courage Tour. Yes, it has been postponed to 2022. Yes, Celine Dion did make a video where she talks very slowly about how it has been postponed. And you can watch that on Instagram. Um, But we wanted to let you know right here, right now that, you know, if you were thinking about going on the Courage World Tour or if you already have tickets, then I'm sure you'll already know that it's been postponed to 2022, the year of all the biggest and best weddings. So it's there's going to be a lot to pack in. I think we should probably all start like some kind of training because I was talking about this um, the other night. I mean, imagine a world out of COVID or at least where it's sort of safe in the same way as like, the threat of the flu, I suppose, is for us now. Um, so taking the sort of health anxiety away from it, do you think that you will struggle to get back into socialising in the same way that you did pre-pandemic? Or do you think that you'll just be like launching into it, hugging everyone, going to loads of crowded bars? Like, what do you think, faced with that as a reality rather than as an idea how do you think you'll find it? Yeah, well, I've thought about this quite a lot, quite a few times over the past year, obviously. Um, and I think that, like, you know, my my belief is like, I'd be like, absolutely gung-ho, like, jump on my horse, take the old town road into a uh, straight to GAY. But um, I, I think the reality is that it won't be a... Uh, put like throw down the drawbridge everybody run to wherever it's going to be a like super slow uh reintroduction in the sense that like we'll probably be able to hang out with x amount of people for a bit uh do this do that like go for a meal but not like go out again like go out to clubs essentially it's gonna be like the last thing really isn't it so um i think that in terms of the fact that it's going to be sort of staggered probably will like sort of get used to it um but by the time we can actually go for a goddamn night out I am going to be, I, I am going to be very ready for her. And I think, I think I'll like, I think I will go hard for a bit, but I'm not sure how long that will last. 
<laughs> I do I do doubt uh, just my body's ability to literally do it um, as opposed to my will. Uh, the, the will is there, but is it, can my liver and um, my need for like 10,000 hours of beauty sleep do it? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting. What, what do you think for you? Yeah, I think that I think your point about it being a sort of gradual process anyway is a good one. But I was kind of thinking, you know, faced with the idea of, okay, forget the gradual process, you wake up tomorrow and everything's allowed. How would you feel? And I think that like, for me, the main thing that I would want to do, I think I would feel too daunted to go straight into a gig, straight into a club, like even if it was allowed, it's almost like when um, an animal's been in captivity and then the like drawbridge of their little like cage comes up and they're like, what is the sand? Like they don't know what's happening. Um, That's sort of like how I feel. And I think that the thing that I want to do the most is just have like some people around my flat that's like all I want really I mean it's I mean obviously the more I do I think the more I'll want but that's the thing that I've realized I miss the most like just having people around to just have a chat and watch telly and have a 10 beers that's what I want to do more than like any gig or any like holiday or any of those things like that's my kind of that's the go-to that I would actively be looking forward to without any of those anxieties, I I suppose, which um, is quite nice, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like the main thing I want is, yeah, just, you just, just want to spend time in the company of other people. That's not virtual. Like that's like real life, you know, they are near you. Maybe you can give them a hug when you see them. Like, yeah, it's uh it's definitely very high on the list. And before we go after another week, we wanted to let you know that we are now on a new podcast hosting site. So we are now on Anchor by Spotify. It doesn't change anything about where you find us. You can find us in all of the usual places on your podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, CastBox, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are going to be there. But what we wanted to tell you is if you go to anchor.fm forward slash queer longing we have a new function on our new website where you can actually send us a voice message so if you go to that website at the top you will see there is a button that says message if you click that you can leave us a voicemail and you know just tell us what you've been living and longing for um do you have any queer conundrums that we could help with is there anything that you want to tell us any um podcast recommendations any films um do you just want to have a chat um then just message us and we might play it out on the podcast because we just we would love to connect with you. And um, it's been really nice getting your messages over the course of the pandemic, but this is a way for us to, you know, we can't do a live show. God knows when we'll be able to do another one, but maybe it's a way of us all like connecting a little bit more. So if you want to use that, then please, please do. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And of course you can contact us through all of the usual channels as well. We are at Queer Longing on Instagram and Twitter. And our email is queerlonging at gmail.com. But before we are absolutely flooded with voicemails, keep it clean, please keep it clean. We will be loving you, leaving you and longing for you until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. I think sign me up. Yeehaw. (laughs) Why did I say that? So posh. (laughs) Yee-haw! Yee-haw! <laughs>